In life, we'll encounter obstacles and delays, and we must know how to pray our way through them. This message is the 10th in the series, Talk to Me. The message is entitled, Prayers That Carry You Through Obstacles and Delays. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 40 in just a moment. I want to conclude our series of messages called Talk to Me, and today I'm going to talk about praying your way through obstacles and delays in life. We've been talking in this series about how do you pray your way through certain things, our 10th lesson in this series. How do you navigate life by praying your way through it? Jesus taught us to pray the wonderful prayer found in Matthew chapter 6, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we pray that prayer, there are lots of elements to that prayer, and one of those elements involves lead us not into temptation. The word for temptation, while it certainly means uh, being solicited to do something that is wrong or evil, it also has the meaning of testing. Lead us not into a test that we can't bear. Lead us not into things that will bring us down. And so I want to talk about one of those tests that will come to your life, the test of dealing with obstacles and delays. And all of us will experience in life obstacles and delays. And how do you and I pray our way through them? Our focus for the next few moments will be on an Old Testament character by the name of Joseph, one of my favorite characters of the Old Testament. I love Joseph because he got so many things right. He did so many things well, and he's a great example for you and I to follow. Let me tell you a little bit about the story of Joseph. His story actually starts in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapter 37. You don't need to turn there, but let me tell you what happens with this young man, Joseph, and how his life begins to proceed. Joseph was the son of a man by the name of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph. Joseph was a favored son. He was so favored by Jacob that Jacob made him a coat of many colors, and he was set apart as a part of the family. In fact, all of his brothers realized that Jacob really loved this guy very much. And there was at 17 years of age, Joseph has a dream, and this dream is that one day he's going to be a great ruler. He shares this dream with his father, and of course his father was excited for him, and then he shares his dream with his other brothers, and his brothers were not quite as excited because they already are jealous of Joseph because he seems to be a favored son. And they're concerned now that he says he's going to grow up to be a ruler, and so they think that he needs to be cut down to size. And so they make the decision that they're going to actually kill their brother Joseph. They find him out in the wilderness with them as they're tending sheep, and they make this decision, let's kill him, and let's, let's tell Dad that he's dead. And they go through this process, but Reuben, the oldest brother, talks the other brothers out of killing Joseph, and instead they sell him into slavery. He's taken down into Egypt where he's purchased by a man by the name of Potiphar and becomes a slave in the house of Potiphar, who is an Egyptian captain, a well-placed, highly-placed individual serving Pharaoh there. Joseph enters into Potiphar's house under Potiphar's service, and there over a period of time, Joseph proves himself to be such a valuable asset to Potiphar that Potiphar finally says, I'm just going to give you everything in my house to take care of. You seem to be well-organized, a tremendous administrator, and Potiphar turned his whole household over to Joseph, an incredible moment, an incredible victory, if you will, in Joseph's life. It showed the kind of character that he had, but then something happened. 
There's a turn, there's a twist in the story. The turn and twist in the story is that Potiphar's wife began to lust after Joseph. Joseph was a well-built, handsome young man, and Potiphar's wife desired him and tried to seduce him, and Joseph would not yield to that temptation, and so she becomes frustrated and feels rejected by Joseph and eventually accuses him of rape. He has no defense, and so he ends up in prison. So I want you to see the sequence of Joseph's life. He starts out in Papa's house in a very favored position. He then ends up in Potiphar's house as a slave, but he succeeds there, and then he ends up being sent to prison with no defense at all. And I want you to pick up with me the story now in Genesis chapter 40 because Joseph's life is a life of delay. It's a life of having to wait, having to pray your way and navigate your way through times of delay. The story I want to read is in verses 1 through 23 of Genesis chapter 40. Listen as I read the story of the, this part of Joseph's life. Sometime later, the story picks up, Pharaoh's cupbearer and a chief baker offended him. That's offended Pharaoh. Pharaoh became very angry with these officials, and he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of Potiphar, the captain of the guard. They remained in prison, they remained in prison for quite some time, and Potiphar assigned Joseph to take care of them. One night, the cupbearer and the baker each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. The next morning, Joseph noticed the, de the dejected look on their faces. Why do you look so worried today, he asked. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but there is no one here to tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Tell me what you saw. The cupbearer told his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a vine in front of me. It had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon there were, there were clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed the juice into it. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. That was his dream. I know what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches mean three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will take you out of prison and return you to your position as his chief cupbearer. So that was good news, wasn't it? Now notice Joseph's appeal to the cupbearer, who's going to be released in three days. And please have some pity on me when you are back in his favor. Mention me to Pharaoh and ask him to let me out of here. So in other words, Joseph said, I have helped you. I've interpreted your dream. Now I want you to help me. I want you to be an advocate for me on the outside. I have no lawyer, no appeal process. You're my only hope of getting out of this place. And he describes this condition. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in jail, but I did nothing to deserve it. Again, he's there because he's been falsely accused. When the chief baker saw that the first dream had such a good meaning, he told his dream to Joseph too. In my dream, he said there were three baskets of pastries on my head. and the top basket were all kinds of bakery goods for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them. I'll tell you what it means, Joseph told him. The three baskets mean three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh would cut off your head and impale your body on a pole. I'm sure at that point in time, he's wondering, why did I ask this question, right? Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he gave a banquet for all of his officials and household staff. He sent for his chief cupbearer and chief baker, and they were brought to him from, from the prison. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position, most likely because the cupbearer had done nothing wrong, and so he'd been falsely accused. He's restored. But he sentenced the chief baker to be impaled on a pole, just as Joseph had predicted, most likely because he was guilty of something. Pharaoh's, notice this first, though. Pharaoh's cupbearer, however, Promptly, what's the next word? 
Come on, say it with me. What did he do? He forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And chapter 41, the next chapter starts with these words, verse number one, two years later. Two years later. This is an amazing story because what happens here is that Joseph has been put in prison. As he's in prison, he experiences this moment where he's watching over the chief cupbearer of the king or Pharaoh and the chief baker, chief baker of Pharaoh, and he interprets the dreams as we just read for you a moment ago. And when he interprets the chief cupbearer's dream, he makes him give him a promise. Will you remember me when you get out of here? Will you help me out? I need your assistance. And evidently, the cupbearer said, sure, I'll be your advocate on the outside. But as soon as he got out, he forgot. See, when you have friends like that, you don't need enemies, do you? You just forgot about him. And maybe you've had that experience before when somebody promised to do something for you, and then when they've gone free, they forget about you. They've completely forgotten about you. And Joseph was left in prison with no one to advocate for him, no one to help him. He simply is in a moment where he continues to have to trust God for an exit out of something he should never have been in anyway. And he goes through this lengthy period of waiting, this period of being delayed, wanting something, but it's just not happening. Have you ever been in a situation like that before where you wanted something to happen, but it just wasn't happening? You had hopes that it was going to happen by now, but it had not happened according to your time schedule, according to the frame, time frame that you had anticipated. And Joseph was in the same situation. He had anticipated an exit out, but things had fallen through for him, and so he's now having to deal with a delay. He's having to deal with an obstacle. He's having to pray his way through this. And so there's some lessons from Joseph's life that you and I can learn as well. I'm going to share with you three lessons from Joseph's life that will help you to pray your way through obstacles and delays that you will experience in life. The first one is a very simple statement, but a very important truth for us to remember. Certain things in life require wait time. There's certain things that will happen in life that just will require you having to wait. All the moms here understand that. When you're expecting a child, there's something about that expectation process that requires nine months. It's not going to come any faster. It's going to require nine months. You have to wait the whole period. When my wife and I had our two daughters, there was this process of waiting. Wait, are they going to come? Will they ever be here? Will this ever happen? Is this going to transpire? And so you wait and wait, and then the due season moment comes, but there's a waiting process. In life, there's certain things that require waiting, even the simple dimensions of life. You go to the supermarket. Market, chances are you're going to have to wait in line. You go to the doctor's office, they have a little room for you called the waiting room. And then you go back to the other little room and you wait some more, okay? Right? And life just requires waiting. And when you're going through waiting, you tend to ask questions. Questions like, when, when will this happen? When will it happen? And how will it happen? And probably the bigger question is, will it ever happen? Well, this thing ever happened in my life, and I'm sure that Joseph was asking questions like this as well. Let me talk to you about some of the things that you're going to have to wait on in life. Sometimes you have to wait on your prayers to be answered. Not every prayer is answered right away. 
You have to wait for God to do a work in you and God to do a work around you. Maybe there's some of you right now that you prayed certain prayers and, and they haven't been answered yet. You're wondering, well, will they ever be answered? How will they be answered? What will become of this prayer that I prayed? And so prayers require waiting. Second of all, we have to wait many times for resources to be released. We need certain things in life that we don't have in the moment, and we have to wait until they show up. They don't always show up in the time frame that we want them to be there, and so we wait on resources. Sometimes we have to wait for circumstances to change. There's some of you here today that you're going through a really tough circumstance right now, and you're waiting. You're hoping that it's going to change. You're waiting for that moment when whatever you're in becomes different. For some, it's waiting for opportunities to open up. You've hoped or dreamed for something in your life, maybe a promotion on your job. You've waited for your moment to show up in life, and it doesn't seem to have come yet. You're saying, when will this happen? How will it happen? Will it ever happen for me? Will I ever have my ship to come in? Will there ever be that opportunity for me? And you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Sometimes it's waiting for pain to be relieved. Perhaps there's some folks here today that you're going through a physical ailment, a physical sickness, and you're struggling with that in your life. Or maybe you're going through some soul pain, some things on the inside that hurt very, very deeply to you, and you're wondering, when will I ever get out of this? Will I get beyond this? I've waited for a long time. How will I conquer it? For some, there are promises that you're waiting to be fulfilled. You feel as though God spoke a promise in your life or someone gave a promise to you and it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't been delivered yet. You're wondering when that promise will be fully realized. Or for others, perhaps there are a few here today that you're waiting for vindication to occur in your life. You've been falsely accused of something. You've been slandered by someone. Someone's done something unfairly to you and you're wondering, when will the books be made right? When will I ever be vindicated? And there are a lot of folks, unfortunately, that are paralyzed by these kinds of things. When their prayers aren't answered or when their opportunities don't come or when they're facing any of these seven things that I mentioned, they become paralyzed in their waiting period. And what I want to encourage you with today is to remember something. Certain things in life just require waiting. I have to wait. You have to wait. It is a part of life. Waiting is a part of life. Say it with me. Waiting is a part of life. Come on, you didn't like saying that, did you? Come on, say it again. Waiting is a part of life. The second thing is that waiting time doesn't mean wasted time. Anytime you're waiting, it doesn't necessarily mean that that waiting time has to be wasted. One of the toughest tests that you and I will ever face is the waiting test. It's true in our relationship with God. It's true in our relationship with other people. Nobody likes to wait. I don't think you've ever prayed a prayer like this. God, please make me wait longer. Now, most of the time we've said, God, please do this for me now. Our focus is usually on doing something for us, God, in the moment and said, God, I really love waiting. Would you make me wait longer? No, we, we, we have a propensity, an orientation toward the now in the moment. We have this, this time clock that we want God to pay attention to. We must remember that God has a different watch than we have. He has a different calendar. In fact, God is the everlasting God. God does not measure time the way you and I measure it. I will remind you today that God is always on time in your life. He's never early generally, and He's never late. God is the punctual God. He will show up on time every time. 
But we don't like that because we like our time rather than God's time. We'd like to see it according to our schedule. But God says, no, no, I have an entirely different frame of reference than you do. And this frame of reference of time is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. We get a little bit of insight here where the Scripture says, but you must not forget, that is, remember this, dear friends. He's talking to us as Christians, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand, thousand years is like a day. You ever lived one of those days before? It felt like a thousand years. But because God has a complete perspective of our, of our lives, sometimes He makes us wait. And God always has a good reason for making you wait. Because God is a good God. And as a good God, anything God does in your life is good. And so when He makes you wait, He's making you wait for good reasons. Now, what are those reasons? Why does God make you wait? What is God saying to us in our times of waiting? I've learned over the years that God usually has something to say to me when I'm in a waiting period. There's some message He wants me to get. And I'm going to give you seven words or seven phrases that will simplify for you perhaps what God will say to you when you're in a waiting period. And let me ask you again today, are you waiting for something? Are you in a delay right now? If you are, God is most likely speaking one or more of these seven things to you. First of all, in our waiting period, God is sometimes saying no to us. God is saying, you know, I'm not going to do that for you. This is not my will for your life. And God withholds things from us because He knows it is not for our good. And I am so glad that I serve a God that not only says yes to me, I'm glad I serve a God that sometimes says no to me, aren't you? Because I look back on my life and I thank God for the no's. I appreciate every no that God has spoken. I appreciate the yeses, but I also appreciate the no's. Because as I look back, I realize, you know, I thought I needed that or wanted that at the time, but I realize now it really wasn't good for me. It wasn't in the context of God's ultimate purpose. God had something better than I could have even imagined for my life. The Bible says that eye has not seen and ear hasn't heard and neither has it entered into the heart of man all the good things God has in store for those that love Him. And so sometimes when you're waiting, if you'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, maybe He'll simply say to you, no, that's not my will for your life. I'm making you wait because I'm changing your perspective of things. Sometimes it's a no. And sometimes it's a slow. God will speak to you and say, slow down. Slow down. Say it with me. Slow down. Slow down. Sometimes we're just moving too fast in some direction. It may even be the right direction, but we're going too fast. We're moving along ahead of God. How many of you love speed cameras? Come on, do you love speed cameras? Okay, you don't love them? I'm on the monthly plan with them, okay? Just send me a bill every month, okay? But when you see that speed camera, what do you do? You slow down. You back off a little bit, don't you? And God sometimes comes along and says, oh, time out, slow down, you're, going, you're getting ahead of me. And there are a lot of us that want to push ahead of God, and we want things to happen much more quickly than God designed for them to happen. And so what happens when you get ahead of God? You're ahead of God. And when you get ahead, when you arrive at wherever it is, wherever it is you think you're trying to, to, to arrive, you get there, and what are you still going to have to do? You still have to wait, Okay. And oftentimes, because you've, you've pressed ahead, you actually end up at the wrong place, okay? And so God sometimes says slow. Number three, God sometimes says grow. That when you're going through a delay, God says, you know, I just, I've got you in this position right now because 
I want you to grow. I want you to develop more maturity and more wisdom and more character and more competency. I want you to, to grow up so that you'll be, when the time is right, that you will be spiritually and mentally and emotionally ready for what I'm going to do in your life next. And so those moments are valuable. See, in the process of having a child, all nine months are important, aren't they? Because all nine months, what's happening in that womb, all nine months that child is growing from the time of conception when life is formed at the time of conception until the time that that child is born, what happens is there's a growth process that is transpiring and every, every day and every week and every month and every process of the, of the sequence of that pregnancy is, val- is important until that baby is birthed into the world because there's a growing process that happens. And sometimes God will have you in the womb. It seems as though you're in a dark place, not a place that seems to be so, so great for you. But in the process, God is growing you and maturing you so that when you're born into that next environment, you'll be ready for it. Amen? The next one, sometimes God speaks the word show to us in the midst of our waiting show, not, not become a show, or not show time, but this is what I'm talking about. God says, I want to show you some things in your life that you didn't know about yourself. I'm going to put you in this delay. I'm going to show you some stuff about you that you never knew about you that, that I want you to work on. He'll reveal things to you about yourself that you need to understand to move forward in your journey with God. Sometimes God will speak to you low, low. What's low about? Low is... I'm humbling you through this time. Dear ones, let me remind you today that one of the greatest things you can ever develop in your life is humility. It's contrary to the culture. The culture is a proud culture. Everybody wants to be proud, but God gives us a different perspective. God says, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. If you go low, I can bring you high. If you go high, i got to bring you low. But if you go low, I'll bring you high. He that exalts himself will be abased, but he who lowers himself, humbles himself, will be exalted. It's contrary to the world. So if you want to go up, where do you go? Now, with God, if you want to go high, you go low. And going low means you humble yourself. And sometimes God will put you in delays just to break stuff inside of you that needs to be broken. That's what happened with Moses when he was placed on, on, in the wilderness for 40 years taking care of sheep. He's back there for four decades feeling like nothing's ever going to happen in my life. I've been cast out of Egypt, had to run away because I killed a guy. Now I'm in trouble from that. I'll never make anything of my life. Forty years taking care of sheep. And then one day he walks by a burning bush bush and God says, I'm calling you now to go back down into Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, who am I to do this? You know why Moses said that? Because Moses had come to a place of brokenness. God had taken the Moses out of Moses. And sometimes you need to be taken out of you. And when you When you're taken out of you, then God can work in and through you in a way that he could not do otherwise. And so your waiting periods become times when God says, I'm taking you low right now. I'm taking you low to teach you humility. Sometimes God says so. God says, I've got you in a situation right now. I just want you to sow. I want you to pay attention to where you are in this moment. Don't worry about anything else. Just sow, sow, sow. Be a faithful sower right where you are. If you're not sowing into your current opportunities, don't ever expect God to be in a hurry to open up new opportunities to you. It's always amazing to me. If you're not, I see people that are not sowing in their current opportunities, but they expect God to open up new opportunities for them. 
not going to happen, okay? God says, you know, I want you to sow right where you are, and if you'll do that where you are, then I can trust you for what I will have for you in your days to come. And then the last phrase I will give you, what do you do? How do you, how do you listen to God in these seasons of delay? You listen to that voice that says, let go, let go, let go, let go. What's let go all about? It's about simply letting go of our own strivings to make things happen and just say, God, I'm going to let you make this happen. You know, God can make things happen a lot better than you can. You don't have to be your own PR. God's a better PR agent than you are. Amen? Okay. God knows how to get you where you need to be in the moment that you need to be there. That should get an amen right there. Okay? Let me tell you just for a moment about how this works. Are you ready? Okay? When you let go, God takes over. Here's Joseph. You got the story? Here is Joseph. He's gone from Papa's house where he's a favored son. He ends up in Potiphar's house where now he's serving, but something horrible happens. He ends up in prison. He's there in prison. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. The chief cupbearer says, no problem. I'll remember you when you get out. Then he forgets about him, and he's left there for two more years waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, two years is a long time to wait after you've already been somewhere for at least 10 or 11 years. See, Joseph will be in prison for approximately a totality of 13 years of his life because he's going to be 30 by the time that he becomes a prime minister of Egypt. But what happens is he's waiting and waiting and waiting until there is a day two years later when Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh has this incredible dream that he doesn't understand, and it's perplexing him. It's bothering him. He's saying, can anybody help me to understand my dream? And somebody remembers, the, the chief cupbearer remembers. You know, there was this guy in prison. I remember him from two years ago. He helped me out, and I know I, he could probably help you, Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph out of prison, and Pharaoh calls him in, and Joseph stands before Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt at this time, and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh says, I've never met a guy like you. You're amazing. In fact, you seem so wise and so smart. I'm going to actually make you second in command of the entire kingdom of Egypt, one of the most prominent kingdoms of that time. And here's what you see. Joseph went from prison to the prime minister of Egypt, all because he was in God's time, in God's way. He could have never orchestrated that for himself. I'm speaking to someone here today, right now. The plan that God has for your life, you could never orchestrate. It's so great. But you've got to wait on God to do it. You can't make it happen yourself. You have to trust him and his timing. And that's what Joseph did. He let go and he trusted God. I'll show you how much he let go. While he was still in prison, he became such a model prisoner while he was there that the prison warden said, you know what? You're incredible as a prisoner. I'm going to put you in charge of the whole prison. That's the kind of spirit that Joseph possessed in his life that you and I need to possess as well. That leads me to my last point. And that's a simple point based upon the story I've just told you about Joseph coming out of prison. There's a great way to wait. There's a great way to wait. After you've written down the two words, great way, I'm going to ask you to circle the word great. Not good, but great. There's a great way to, to wait. Joseph waited a great way. He waited well. And when you and I wait well, there's a payoff on the other end. But you have to wait well. You can't 
just wait any old way. You have to wait the right way, the God way. If you wait well, there's a win in it for you, just as there was for Joseph. And let me share with you the win that was in it for Joseph and how you and I experience it as well as by fulfilling these qualifications of waiting. I'm going to give you six words, six phrases that will help you to understand how to wait well, how to be a great waiter. And number one, you must wait patiently. That means this, that as you're going through stuff in life, don't be impatient for God to do things quicker than He desires. Say, God, I am resting in You. I will be patient in the process. And patience is an attitude that affects your actions. It starts in you before it's demonstrated through you. So be patient. I will tell you, you're going to wait one way or the other. You'll wait patiently or impatiently, but either way, you'll wait. God says, I love it when people wait patiently. Then wait prayerfully. When you're waiting, don't stop praying. But you pray and say, God, what are you saying to me in my waiting time? That's when you tune your ear to the voice of God and you let that waiting time be a time when you're listening to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit where He's whispering in your ear, no, slow, grow, show all those seven words I gave you, listening for the voice of the Spirit. God, what are you trying to say to me? What are you doing in me in this waiting process? Thirdly, wait productively. Don't just sit back. Do something with your life right where you are. Do something right where you are. You know, if you're going to have a baby, the best time to prepare the room is not after they get here while you're waiting, okay? I mean, we painted the rooms and got all the cribs up and everything ready to go. Why? Because we're getting ready for something. And so don't wait until the thing happens to get ready. Opportunity comes to people who are prepared. And so you prepare not when the opportunity comes, but before the opportunity is there. You're getting ready. You're being productive with your life. Waiting is never a reason for passivity. It's a reason for productivity. Be productive right where you are with what you've been assigned in the moment. Yes, you're waiting, but you don't have to give up on life in the midst of it. Amen? And then wait peacefully. Put your life in God's hands. Just be at peace. Surrender fully to Him. Don't strive with God. Don't be angry with God. Get all worked up on the inside about what's going on with your life. Surrender it to Him. Wait peacefully. And then wait purposefully. I mentioned this a moment ago. Let me just highlight it very quickly before we get to our last one here. To wait purposefully remember, is, is to remember that God has a purpose in every delay in your life. God never puts a stop sign in your life unless there's a reason for it. You know it's dangerous to run a stop sign? Amen? Stop signs are placed at intersections for reasons, okay? And stop signs give you a message to stop because there could be something that could endanger your life endanger your future, your destiny if you don't stop. And sometimes God will put those stop moments in your life because there's something coming your way that can be very damaging to you. And so you must learn how to, how to trust the purposes of God. God has a purpose in every delay. If you're going through a delay right now, trust that God has a reason for it. There's a reason for it in your life. And the last one that I'll mention, and by the way, this is the hardest one of all. This is the toughest one you'll ever do. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a hard one. Go and tell them. This is a hard one, okay? Really hard one. In fact, why don't we all read it together? Gaithersburg, Frederick, USG. Let's read the sixth one together. How do we wait? Oh, that was pitiful. Okay. How do we wait? Appreciatively. 
That means thank you, Jesus, for making me wait. You don't believe that, do you, okay? Why don't you just do something with, with me right now? Come on, let's practice. Put, put at least one finger up, okay? You may not get your whole hand out, but one finger, okay? Say, thank you, Jesus, for making me wait. And when you begin to be appreciative, what happens is over time you start saying, not just one finger, thank you, Jesus, but thank you, Jesus, for making me wait. And then eventually as you grow in your spiritual journey, you see the value of waiting. You say, thank you, Jesus, for making me wait. See, most of the time it starts out like this, right? Thank you, Jesus. Now, some of us are like this, okay? It's like, thank you, Jesus. But when you begin to realize the value of waiting, you begin to realize, I can thank God because I know that all things are working together for my good. Those that are called according to His purpose, I can lift up my hands. And even though there's a delay in what I thought my life was going to be like right now, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to magnify Him. I'm going to thank Him even in the midst because the Bible says it's God's will to give thanks in every circumstance in Christ Jesus. That includes the, del the delays in your life. Let's conclude by reading some verses together. We'll be done. Psalm 37, 34. Read aloud and loudly with me all the campuses. Here we go. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Keep traveling steadily along His pathway and in. In what? In due season, He will honor you with every blessing. That is a hallelujah verse right there. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Keep on traveling steadily along His pathway. And in due season, see, God knows the season. God is paying attention to your life. God is not out of touch with you. He's in touch with you. He knows what's going on in your life. There's a due season where He will honor you with every blessing. Psalm 40, verse 1. Here we go. Read with me. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. He turned to me and heard my cry. Notice the similarities between those two verses we've just read. In the first verse, don't be impatient. Second verse, I waited how? Patiently. And so the key ingredient there has to do with patience. Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. Let's read. The Lord is wonderfully good to those who wait for Him and seek Him. So it is, what is it? It is Come on, folks, what is it? It is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. Do you believe that? The Bible says it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. Now, some folks wait, but not very quietly. They're grumbling all the time and frustrated by it. But God says, just, just wait quietly. You don't have to tell everybody how frustrated you are. Just wait quietly and watch my salvation show up in your life. Listen to this last passage as I read it, okay? Have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God? As time is different to Him, He's the everlasting God, okay? The creator of all the earth. He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of His understanding. He knows things you don't know. He grasps things you'll never grasp. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths will become exalted, exhausted, and young men will give up. But those who, those who, 
This passage will not apply to you unless you wait. This is a passage specifically designed for instructing people who are willing to wait. But those who wait on the Lord will find you strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Dear one, understand something today. If you want to find new strength, if you want to fly high on wings like an eagle, if you want to run and not grow weary and walk and not faint, you've got to learn something. You've got to learn how to wait. Because waiting is one of the most valuable things you'll ever do in life. If you're facing some delays today, understand something. Certain things in life always require wait time. Some of the best things in life require wait times. When my wife is making a cake, it smells so good, and I'm ready to go in and eat it, and I'm peeking through the oven. I'm like, oh, I think it's ready, and I start to open the Don't open that. <laughs> Why? Because it'll fall. I said, I don't care. I want to eat it now. She says, just wait, honey. Just wait. Just wait, honey. It'll be good. And every time, it's never failed. The wait, the wait is worth it. Amen? Sometimes there are things that just require wait time. Waiting time doesn't mean wasted time. Don't waste it. If you're going through a waiting time right now, don't waste it. And there's what kind of way to wait? A great way to wait. Don't just be a good waiter. Be a great waiter. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask you'll take this message and let it be deeply deposited in our hearts. Lord, we want to grow in you. Lord, sometimes it's not easy to say thank you, Jesus, for the waits. But, Lord, today we come and we praise you for our waiting periods, knowing that, Lord, in the midst of them, you're doing something wonderful in our lives. And I pray that that peace that passes all understanding would come upon every heart and life here today as we wait upon you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name.
If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.